and welcome to another edition of the Bet Sports Beat podcast. My name is Josh Betts. In this episode of the podcast, we look back at Iowa State at the Iowa State football team's victory over TCU last Saturday and look ahead to the primetime matchup this weekend as Iowa State hosts the Oklahoma Sooners at Jack Trey Stadium with with around 15,000 fans expected to be in attendance as well. And to look back at TCU and preview Oklahoma, I welcome into this edition of the podcast Iowa State football and men's basketball beat writer for the Des Moines Register and the Ames Tribune, Travis Hines. Travis, great to talk with you. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, Josh. How are you? Uh, doing well, and I certainly appreciate you joining me uh, here this evening. And so last Saturday uh, in Fort Worth, Texas, a 37-34 uh, victory for Iowa State over TCU, a game that a game that was a record-setting uh, day for Jaquan Bailey, and a game in which Brock Purdy uh, looked looked to me quite a bit sharper uh, at quarterback against TCU as opposed to the season opener against Louisiana. You were in Fort Worth uh, last Saturday covering uh, Iowa State TCU. Uh, Just your overall thoughts on what you saw last Saturday in Fort Worth. Yeah, I think you hit a lot of the highlights, but I would say the, the overview is I think there was real tangible improvement from that week one loss to Louisiana to the performance two weeks later against TCU and talking to to Matt Campbell ahead of the game and even after the game against TCU, you know, he really stressed that Iowa State had a very truncated and disrupted fall camp because of COVID-19 and that they really felt like they needed those two weeks between Louisiana and TCU just to get more live reps, that that was something that they felt was really hampering them. And I think we saw that specifically on special teams against Louisiana with the two return touchdowns. They were much cleaner in that phase of the game against TCU. I think you're absolutely right that Purdy looked a lot better, uh, save for one of the uh, more ridiculous plays I've ever seen in my life with that fumble slash interception. But beyond that, he played really well. Um, I think getting Charlie Kolar back was a huge part of that because I think you know when things went haywire or guys were not able to get open down the field, Purdy still had that lifeline in Kolar and the intermediate routes that, you know, while they weren't home runs, they kept the chains moving. They kept Iowa State from getting into to third and long too often. And I think that made a big difference. And then I thought Brees Hall played significantly better. Um, he took care of the ball. He hit the hole hard. Obviously, you know, racked up yards and touchdowns. And then defensively, it was really a game, you know, after maybe the first two or three drives, I thought, where the defense settled in. I thought they got exposed early, especially in the run. But what, to me, the takeaway for the game defensively for Iowa State is just how many playmakers they have, the guys that can swing a game in a single play. Jaquan Bailey, three-and-a-half sacks, a strip sack and fumble recovery. Latrell Bankston getting pressure up the middle. Mike Rose with that interception. Uh, that was really athletic and dynamic and you know there's other guys in that defense that maybe didn't stand out against tcu but that we know are capable uh you know will mcdonald orion fans greg eyes with lawrence white 
So I think to me that's the headline for the defense is you know, maybe they're not going to dominate you know, like uh, what the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, but they're, they have the ability to, to really corral teams and then strike when they're given the opportunity. So overall, a, a step in the right direction for Iowa State certainly. Um, not a perfect performance, and if Iowa State doesn't get better from last week to this week, they'll probably get beat by Oklahoma. But I think it, it, if you're an Iowa State fan, you feel relieved to see them back on an upward trajectory after a pretty shaky performance against Louisiana. Uh, we, we'll, we will discuss Charlie Kolar and Brees Hall in a bit more detail as as we get uh, a little bit later uh, in the conversation here. But I want I want to just kind of go back to Travis, the old adage, regardless of sport, but especially in football, is that teams make their biggest improvements, generally speaking, from game one to game two. You've covered you've covered Iowa State's two games to this point so far this season, and given the and given that last week against TCU was the second game of the season. Where did you see those biggest improvements for Iowa State uh, collectively against TCU that maybe wasn't as sharp against Louisiana in the opener? Yeah, I think the sharp is exactly the right word because I think against Louisiana, things were just very sloppy. I don't think Iowa State was as ready as Louisiana to play, and I thought against TCU, things were must much more crisp uh, throughout the game. And just it did not feel like it felt like Iowa State was able to tighten a lot of things up. That there weren't the mistakes that were there against Louisiana. That the tempo was good. It, it felt much more like the Iowa State teams uh, that we've seen the last two or three years when they've been at their best under Matt Campbell, and that they executed. That they you know they made plays when they needed to. Um, offensively, they hit a couple of big plays, and that's really bad. We don't think of that Iowa State offense necessarily as explosive, uh, especially since David Montgomery and Akeem Butler have moved on. But you look at the numbers, you know, they, they, they break big plays. It's kind of what they do. They're more apt to do that than march up and down the field uh, with time-consuming drives. They like to strike fast if they can and break uh, big games. And I thought this was a, a performance that resembled more of the success that Iowa State has had in the past, where Louisiana, I thought we saw a lot of the mistakes that have hampered Iowa State uh, at different times throughout the Campbell tenure. You mentioned uh, the the strong game that Brees Hall had against TCU, uh, 18 carries, 154 yards, three touchdowns against the Horn Frogs. The staggering stat to me, Travis, when you look at Brees Hall against TCU, the average of 8.6 yards per carry. Now, there's a long touchdown run in there that, of course, perhaps skews that to a degree. Um, But again, Brees Hall, as is the case, I think, with some other players, Brees appears to have taken another step forward this season. What's been the key to that in your mind? You know, I, I would defer to Brees on that one. You know, when we talked to him on Tuesday, he said that he went into the Louisiana game thinking it was going to be, quote, a cakewalk, and that he kind of got hit in the mouth with it, uh, with that fumble against the Raging Cajuns, and that, that really kind of woke him up to the attention to detail that he needed to have to be successful, that you know, as good as he was as a freshman, you don't get to just waltz into a, a uh, Division One game 
against a high-level opponent and think that you're going to dominate. And as talented as he is, you still have to have the attention to detail. You still have to look for the execution and what Matt Campbell would call the margins. And I think that's what we saw from Brees against TCU. I and mean, he mentioned the long run like that. That was an excellent run. I thought he hit the holes well. You know, beyond that, I thought his vision was solid. Um, you know, broke some tackles, made some guys miss. You know, I, I keep going back to you know this this staff knows what they're doing when it comes to running backs. You go back to Toledo with Kareem Hunt, obviously David Montgomery, and now Brees Hall, where you've got guys that have stepped in as true freshmen and been hugely impactful in the Big Twelve, especially you know when you look at Brees Hall and David Montgomery. Um, this staff knows what they're doing with the both in evaluating and developing running backs. And I think if you're an Iowa State fan, that's what's got to be so tantalizing about Brees Hall is that he's really good right now. And he still only played, you know, he barely played the first four games of last year. So he still hasn't even played really, you know, 10 full games of college football yet. And so the, the ceiling remains incredibly high for him. Understandably, a lot of the discussion, especially as it relates to the Iowa State running game, surrounds Brees Hall, and deservedly so, given his performance. But but another guy, Travis, that's off to a strong start in this 2020 season that really, to me, that really, to me, uh, Another running back that's had a strong start to the 2020 season. That the another running back that's had a strong start to the 2020 season that that isn't getting talked about as much as Brees Hall is Kane Nwangu. Uh, first career touchdown run against Louisiana in the opening game last week against TCU. A career long 49 yard touchdown run. What's been the key to Kinney's kind of breakout success through the first two games of the first two games of the season? Yeah, I, don't, I think any conversation about Kinney Nwandu has to start with the fact that he's really worked back from injury, the Achilles tear early in his career, and for him to come back now and get that first career touchdown and really be a voice in that locker room of of credibility and authority. I think is is really admirable and important and when it comes to his success on the football field I think what Kinney has done is really bought into a role because I think it was probably clear to him that Brees Hall is going to be the primary ball carrier for this football team you know after last year when Hall was able to do it as a true freshman and instead of you know looking at that as a negative I think Kinney looked at the situation and said how can I help this offense if it's not being the primary ball carrier. And that means versatility, means being able to to spell Brees Hall, as we saw him do with that 49-yard uh, touchdown run against TCU, as we saw against Louisiana, where he took over after uh, Brees found himself in the doghouse with that fumble uh, against Louisiana. And then, you know, pass catching, the ability to return kicks, he's really just made himself a versatile player that can be plugged into a lot of different situations and circumstances and be a contributor and I think you know that speaks to the fact that you can't have 25 superstars on a college football team you know if, you, if you've got a couple you're doing pretty well 
and then everybody else has to fill in around and excel in their role. And I think Kanani Wangu, uh, certainly through two games, um, is really uh, a poster child for that uh, sentiment and that uh, you know make yourself a superstar in your role uh, type of mentality. We mentioned earlier in the discussion uh, Charlie Kohler returned to the lineup against TCU. Any any college football fan or any Iowa State fan that has watched the Cyclones, any media member that covers the Cyclones, knows Charlie Kohler is exceptional at catching the football, is, is arguably the best pass-catching tight end on this Iowa State roster. Aside from his pass-catching ability, it seems to me, Travis, that with Charlie Kohler on the field, this, the Iowa State offense appears to run a bit smoother than when he's not on the field. Is that is that a is that an accurate observation? And and what what in your mind what in your mind makes this Iowa State offense at least appear to run smoother with Charlie Kohler on the field as opposed to on the sideline? Yeah, Josh, I think you're you're spot on, and I think for a couple of different reasons. I, I think first among them is Charlie Kolar's talent has to be accounted for defensively. Uh, you, you mentioned maybe being the best pass catching tight end in the country. You know, just an athletic, physical presence on the football field that has to be accounted for really at all times. And beyond that, I think Brock Purdy's level of comfort, his level of familiarity with Brock Purdy is up. Or with uh, Charlie Kolar, excuse me, is off the charts. And you know, Purdy said it after the game on Saturday that he's a guy in Kolar that he knows he can go to when things maybe don't go as planned in a play. And I think you know, even you know, Kolar had what five catches for under fifty yards. So these aren't you know huge, big hitting, game changing plays in Kolar's twenty twenty debut. I don't think you can downplay the importance of being able to just get positive yardage sometimes in those. Uh, you know, high stakes or high leverage situations where instead of having Purdy flushed out of the pocket and trying to scramble for a few yards and potentially opening himself up to a hit or trying to force the ball on a smaller window to a wide receiver or down the field, you've got a guy like Kolar that you can reliably throw it to. And instead of having a high risk play, you have a pretty high probability play, even if it's for an intermediate amount of yards. And I think as the season goes along and as Kolar gets up to speed with his health and his conditioning, I think you're going to see him stretch the field more and be even more of a weapon and not just be used in that short and intermediate passing game. And as that happens, I think if you're Iowa State, the hope is is that opens things up for those wide receivers who I don't think have been super dynamic uh, to start the season. And then certainly in the running game, you know, with Brees Hall and with an offensive line that has been pretty good and presumably could get better with the return of Trevor Downing from injury. So, yeah, I don't want to overstate Charlie Kolar's importance to that offense, but to your point, it sure seems that everything worked a lot better with him in the lineup as opposed with him out. And I think the ripple effect of him being on the field is pretty significant. Well, and I I, I found it interesting... uh watching and covering the TCU game uh, from home, I, I don't think it's any coincidence that Brock Purdy's first completion against TCU was to Charlie Kohler. No doubt. I mean, I think those two have a rapport that is 
super valuable and something that is going to enhance that offense. And the fact that they were able to to get right to it in Kolar's first game back. And again, we don't know exactly what Kolar's injury was, but Matt Campbell has insinuated that it goes back to December. That's something that he's been dealing with. So for them to be able to just jump right back into things, I think is a, uh, a really positive sign for Iowa State. Against TCU, Iowa State was without uh, Tariq Milton, Trevor Downing, and Robert Hudson. Uh, what, are, what are you hearing as far as their possible status uh, for the Oklahoma game this weekend? You know, not much. There's not a lot of clarity there. I think in terms of Downing and Hudson, Downing did not make the trip to TCU. Hudson was there and in uniform but did not play. So presumably, you know, the, my understanding is he was available to play Saturday at TCU, so presumably he'll be available again this weekend against Oklahoma. You know, all Iowa State and Matt Campbell are saying about Downing and Tariq Milton is day to day. You know, they've made the decision to not be very forthcoming about injuries, and they aren't alone in that uh, across sports and certainly in college football. But I, I don't have a lot of information or much of a feel about their availability. Uh, this weekend against Oklahoma just because it's uh, information on that front is hard to come by. No, and that that's certainly understandable, and I would imagine for a college football coaching staff, you combine the injuries that can occur in a given season uh, with the COVID-19 protocols and things of that nature, I would imagine all of that perhaps plays a role in why Coach Campbell and other coaches and coaches in other sports in addition to college football, to, to your point, maybe aren't as forthcoming regarding injuries this season as perhaps what they might be otherwise. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, these coaches are looking for whatever advantage that they can get, and I don't begrudge them that. But uh, for a reporter, I do. Uh, I, I try to figure it out, but they're, uh, they're, they hold a lot of that uh, close to the chest. Uh, Oklahoma, Saturday night, Jack Trey Stadium, 6.30 kickoff on ABC, uh, national television game again for Iowa State. Uh, last season, Oklahoma uh, defeated Iowa State 42-41 in Norman. The Sooners come into Ames this weekend looking to avoid a two-game losing streak, something they haven't something that hasn't occurred for Oklahoma since October of 1999. Oklahoma State is certainly a strong road team, having won 24 of their last 25 true road games. And perhaps a more telling stat to me, have scored 24 or more points in 58 straight games. But Travis, this season, when you're talking about this Oklahoma Sooner football team, it all starts with Spencer Rattler at the quarterback position. Uh, what have you seen from him? And just what is your sense of this Oklahoma team going into uh, Saturday's game in Ames? Yeah, I mean, I think Rattler is a, a perfect example of no matter how talented you are at that quarterback position uh, as a inexperienced player, it's, it's really hard to do. It's a hard position to play really right from the get-go without a lot of experience that we saw against Kansas State with those three interceptions. And I think the question about Oklahoma becomes, was that an outlier against Kansas State? I tend to think it probably is, given the the talent level that that team has, given 
the coaching staff there, I think, has proven time and again uh, that while Lincoln Riley may be young, that he knows what he's doing and the staff around him knows what he's doing. Um, so I would anticipate that Kansas State game when we get to the end of November or into December looking more like an outlier than a, a harbinger of, of trouble for the Sooners. And I think that that is going to make things difficult for Iowa State, frankly, this weekend because whatever hope they had, which was probably pretty minimal after that game last year in Norman being decided on a two-point conversion in the last minute of catching Oklahoma napping uh, is going to be pretty low. And I think Oklahoma is going to have a lot to prove. I think Spencer Rattler is going to have a lot to prove. You know, with a, a night game on ABC, that uh, probably goes doubly that those guys are not going to be – those guys are going to be looking to make a statement, frankly. And I don't think that should intimidate or frighten Iowa State because – Iowa State's in the same position. They're looking to make a statement coming off that loss to Louisiana, coming off um, a, a season of first close miss misses last year, followed by some pretty high-profile stumbles down the stretch with the Kansas State loss and the Camping World Bowl loss. That This is Iowa State's first oppor- true opportunity to make a statement of this is a different year and this is a different team. And it's a program that remains on the rise. So I think it's going to be a really interesting collision on Saturday night at Ames. And in Matt Campbell's tenure, it seems like it seems like it seems like there's been one game every year where at the end of the game there's a game where perhaps perhaps the Cyclones weren't predicted to win the game or perhaps it's a it's it's an unexpected uh, victory. Um, it, it's it seems like this game could could potentially fall into that category should Iowa State win with with I would imagine uh, Vegas predicting and and the college football pundits predicting a Oklahoma victory. I would imagine. Yeah, it's, I mean, I do think like this is going to be a difficult situation for Iowa State to be in. Oklahoma is more talented, they're more accomplished, but that doesn't always translate to being better. And I think we saw that Oklahoma is vulnerable against Kansas State. And I think, you know, Lincoln Riley all but accused his team of being front runners when speaking to the media earlier this week about how when they get up big, when there's the first sign of adversity that this team has a tendency to panic or that if they get up big, they try to cruise control. And that is not the mark of a team that is uh, mentally tough in all situations. It's not a team, a mark of a team that's focused for 60 minutes of football. And if Iowa State can take advantage of that at times on Saturday, I think that will work to their benefit. But it's, that's a tall task to do, especially for a team you know, that you would think would have their the utmost focus given that they're going to have to walk a high wire to the end of the season if they're hopeful to make the college football playoff, which is their goal. You know, with, with one loss against a Kansas State team that presumably is not going to you know, post a great win-loss record by the end of the year, Oklahoma really does not have much margin for error. A second loss could be a critical hit to their postseason hopes. So Iowa State is going to have to execute at a high level in whatever opportunities Oklahoma affords them. Iowa State has to take advantage of a very, very high percentage uh, of those mistakes that Oklahoma presumably will make uh, a few of on Saturday night. 
getting back to Spencer Rattler, he appears to be a quarterback that likes to spread the ball around to a number of different receivers in the passing game. When when there is a quarterback similar to Spencer Rattler that likes to target a number of receivers, what what challenges can Spencer Rattler present for John Haycock in the Iowa State defense? Well, I think to your point, I mean they're going to have to defend the whole field, and that that gets very hard. And I think the the biggest key for Iowa State is going to be can that can they get pressure without blitzing like they were able to do against TCU. I think that's going to be a lot harder to do against Oklahoma than it was against the Horn Frogs. But if you can get Will McDonald off the edge, if you can get Jaquan Bailey going, if Latrell Bankson can you know provide some pressure up the middle, I think you could potentially put Oklahoma behind the sticks. You could force Rattler into difficult situations. And as we saw against Kansas State, you know, a young quarterback trying to make plays sometimes end up making them for the opposition. And I think that's going to be the key because if, if Rattler can sit back there and spread the ball around and force Iowa State to guard you know, sideline to sideline and 50 yards down the field, I think it's going to be a long day for that defense. And one one interesting uh, stat that I noticed uh, looking ahead to this game and looking at Oklahoma specifically, through two games, Oklahoma's opponents have converted just 9.1% of their third down of their third downs so far this season. So um, certainly, just based on that, just factoring in that stat, it seems like third down could be an important uh, phase of the game for Iowa State on Saturday night. But I'll, I'll close I'll close Travis um, on this uh, for you. My final question. If Iowa State is to get a win on Saturday night, uh, three keys to a potential Iowa State win. they got to generate turnovers on defense. And if not turnovers, at least sacks. I think big plays on that end are going to be definitive for that Iowa State defense. I think their special teams has got to continue what happened against TCU and play a clean game. Any mistakes in special teams is probably going to spell disaster for them because the margin is going to be too tight. And then I think offensively for Iowa State, if they win on Saturday night, I expect their wide receivers to have big games because I think, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think to get to this Oklahoma defense and to keep them honest, Iowa State's going to have to find success on the outside and down the field. Otherwise, I think Oklahoma's defense is going to be able to shrink the field. They're going to be able to bottle up Brees Hall. They're going to be able to create a lot of congestion in the middle of the field. And if that happens, I think it's going to be very hard for Iowa State to move the football. They need those guys on the outside, whether it's Tariq Milton or Xavier Hutchinson or Sean Shaw or Landon Akers. They've got to find a way to get some separation from those DBs, get down the field and get open and make catches. And if that happens, I think Iowa State's got a pretty good chance of winning. And if it doesn't, I think it's going to be a really tough uphill climb for Iowa State.